Welcome back to Conversations with Leaders. Today, we're kicking off Machine Learning Month. I'll be talking to different executives, discussing their thoughts and experience. Joining me today is our Vice President of Machine Learning at Amazon, Swami. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, delighted to be here. Uh, looking forward to the conversation. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your career and what your role is at Amazon? Sure. Uh, my name is Swami Sivasubrabadian. I've been at the AWS and Amazon for now more than 15 years. Um, been here uh, since the beginning of AWS. Uh, joined uh, the company, yes, and I guess in turn during my PhD and then joined full-time when a uh, few of Amazon leaders were kickstarting uh, what became AWS and uh, worked on various aspects of our uh, AWS um, portfolio of services from like our storage systems such as S3 to our uh, CDNs like CloudFront and also then our relational databases and NoSQL databases such as Dynamo to big data systems. And then after having gone through the journey of uh, being able to uh, build uh, um, cloud infrastructure to compute and analyze, store, uh, process and analyze data, one of the natural evolution is to say, how do we actually derive intelligence from it for us to start doing um, like the next generation analytics and insights. And that is the time where I started uh, seeing the importance of machine learning, especially as new emerging techniques around like uh, deep learning came about. So then bootstrapped the machine learning team um, and I was able to leverage the 20 years of Amazon's experience in the space to kickstart AWS machine learning. So now I run the end-to-end machine learning business for AWS. So I've, I've heard you in other um, interviews say that you uh, compare kind of the state of machine learning today to the uh, internet in the late 90s. Uh, can you tell me a little bit more about why you feel that way and what do you think the parallels are? Yeah, um, actually, so to some extent, um, the thing I would actually and I say is, uh, it's a little, uh, if you think about it, uh, very early days for machine learning. And Amazon, we tend to use the phrase, uh, hey, it's uh, day one in the age of internet. Uh, but if I got to use it in the context of machine learning, yes, it's day one, but uh, we just woke up. We haven't even had a cup of coffee yet. Uh, so that's kind of how I think about it. Uh, but if you look at it in the parallels of technology, um, uh, one of the things that closely comes to mind for me is uh, let's take photography as an example. So the first camera in photography was invented uh, in uh, 1826, uh, and uh, it took three years of setup uh, for experts to take one picture. So, and uh, this required like really top experts, and there were very few experts in the world uh, who could take a great picture and so forth. And then uh, 150 years later, if you fast forward now, we invented digital camera. And even uh, uh, even a few years ago, we all remember actually playing with film-based cameras. We used to have a lot of pride around it and uh, how well we actually manually tune all these SLR cameras and actually worry about um, all these things around like exposure and uh, sharpness and so forth. Uh, and um, But now with all the uh, amazing technology coming in our uh, 
phone uh, such as iPhones and Android. Now everybody is a professional photographer on Instagram. Now my five-year-old takes a picture as good as I do. So, and uh, to some extent, I kind of see machine learning is very similar. Uh, it started out even uh, five years ago when there was this explosion of machine learning technologies uh, uh, where, uh, especially around deep learning, there were very few expert practitioners in the world who could understand how to build these amazing technology and put it to use. Um, but uh, now you're starting to see that there is more and more people who are uh, actually able to apply this. And this is where, uh, um, technologies like AWS machine learning and cloud and machine learning technologies are making it more and more accessible. So what took uh, photography more than like 150 to 180 years uh, with machine learning, you're already starting to see in a matter of five to six years, there is an explosion of uh, people who are able to leverage these technology and making it accessible on an everyday basis. Mm. So it sounds like getting started with machine learning is getting easier as time goes on. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's a great thing. You know, um, that being said, what are some of the challenges that customers are, are facing with machine learning and, and what is your recommendation for how they can move past those challenges as quickly as possible? With machine learning and AI, they are already to a point where they, they don't even ask, why do I need to use machine learning? So every CIO and CEO, they want to have an uh, AI strategy. So, uh, and they want to be able to invest to make their company actually smarter and um, uh, so forth. But while everyone wants to get started right away, one of the trends we are starting to see is uh, it becomes a very bumpy ride for many of them. Typically, they work hard to employ the best data scientists and they want to build a, a really good proof of concept. Um, but many times uh, when these data scientists are going to go build a proof of concept, they get stuck either because they do not have the right data set or they do not have enough skilled people to build these machine learning models. And then they can't make progress uh, in these things. So some of the more common challenges, so the most common challenges we tend to see are uh, there is a skills gap uh, with respect to we don't have enough uh, practitioners who can actually tackle and build these models. And then you have a little bit of the data gap uh, and uh, you also have a uh, gap around uh, how can you actually scale the application of machine learning so that you are not stuck with the central small group of people within an organization who can put it to use as well. So. Right. Yeah. So let, let's start um, with the, 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 the skills gap and um, you know, the kind of culture uh, that's necessary in order to be successful, because I think there's a lot of parallels with cloud computing in general um, and with uh, AI ML. What do you see as kind of the ways to champion an ML culture within your organization? How does Amazon do it? Yeah. Um, if you see one of the first things uh, when I touched on what are the challenges and what you want to do. So I would uh, generally put it as um, even the, the, what we have learned in Amazon with respect to specific around these challenges are first, the organization needs leaders to champion an ML culture, as you put it. Uh, you need uh your uh, leadership team, it can be the CIO or the CEO or the chief data officer and so forth. They got to actually 
drive awareness around the need of actually being data-driven and incorporating machine learning in the core part of the business. And uh, this, uh, I'll talk about what are some of the mechanisms we used in Amazon. But before going to that, the next set to address these challenges, you, they also need to understand the data needs and pick the right project and also upskill the team and scale it. These are the five kind of uh, I would say pillars or takeaways to take these, uh, to get past these challenges. But to your question on, uh, if you double click on what does it mean to champion a machine learning culture, one of the first things I would uh, typically advise is uh, for any of uh, the execs uh, who are uh, starting with this question is uh, set big top-down goals. Uh, for instance, uh, uh, more than uh, eight or 10 years ago uh, um, in Amazon, Jeff and his leadership team, uh, when they realized that machine learning is going to be transformative to Amazon as a company as a whole, one of the things uh, they realized is uh, that they uh, implemented a series of uh, mechanisms to drive machine learning culture uh, across every part of the business. But one such example is that in, at Amazon, we ask every part of the company as part of our yearly planning process where we write what we call as an operational planning document. In that document, we ask every line of business, irrespective of whether they run a technology business or they run HR or finance or any other parts to say, how do you plan to leverage machine learning in your business? And uh, typically when people say, hey, uh, we don't plan to, it's usually frowned upon. So what this essentially ended up uh, doing is a culture of many leaders, line of business owners kind of ask themselves saying like, what do you, what is this machine learning? And uh, what, what can I actually do with it? Why does it matter for my business? So it started uh, with the culture of, just even business uh, execs and stakeholders asking the question on why does machine learning matter for my business? And then slowly as uh, years went by, you started uh, seeing uh, that each and every part of Amazon, right from like supply chain and optimization to uh, things like around our fulfillment centers to actually uh, also things like uh, our video business or studio business, they all started making machine learning as core part of the technology. And um, and we also started seeing innovation around creating new kinds of uh, technology and products that were not possible, such as our Echo devices, uh, our Amazon Go, and so forth as well. That's uh, the higher order bit around uh, big top-down goals. The second one uh, is uh, that machine learning is always going to be in a journey where uh, it's not a simple project where you start with it and accomplish it over a period of few months. It's a constant iterative process. So one of the things uh, we as leaders need to be is be tolerant of failures along the way because you're going to actually start playing with data, build a model. Initially, if it is like a customer churn prediction model, it might not be as accurate as you want it to be on uh, the first uh, model that your team builds. But then uh, keep actually at it and then uh, take a long-term view and celebrate success. One of the key things we have done, uh, learned is that when you start seeing successful adoptions of machine learning and what it has done to the business, we celebrate it uh, across uh, the leadership team so that others will say, 
oh uh, wow machine learning actually ended up uh, reducing the amount of fraudulent transaction happening in this case so in that case then that means maybe i need to use this for supply chain to for cost reduction to do better forecasting so you start seeing a positive uh, feedback loop and a virtuous cycle as well and the final one i would call out is uh, you also want uh, to ensure close integration with domain and technical experts as well so uh, many time and again you see many uh, companies try to uh, centralize uh, what they call as an innovation team um they sit in a central uh, location but they are not embedded uh, as closely as uh, it is to the line of business and you want to actually pair these data scientists with uh, the business teams so that you avoid creating proof of concepts that really don't work for the business. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um I want to ask uh just a little bit more on um you you talked about being tolerant of failure and taking a long-term view. Um you know, I work with a lot of uh enterprise executives and I find that this is one that some um kind of conceptually struggle with because isn't failure a bad thing? why would we want to fail why would we want to be okay with failure how can we how could they and how can our customers um take a better approach towards uh creating a culture where failure is embraced and that the cost of failure uh is is low enough to where they are willing to experiment uh the way i tend to look at it and uh and uh amazon we actually look at it also is that um even when we set out goals for the entire year uh let's say we take like 100 goals for machine learning business uh one of the things we tend to do is we want to take goals which have what i consider as like let's say 70 to 80% success rate overall so we don't want to actually be in a situation where we meet uh already uh like 100 out of 100 goals because then that creates a culture of what you call a sandbagging so you feel really uh, comfortable in taking uh, only goals that you know out of time you are going to meet that means you are actually creating a culture of complacency and also you end up getting disrupted uh, as well so to some extent uh, you want a culture where uh, risk taking is uh, considered and a natural part of the job and if you want your leaders to take risks you want to be able to uh also create an uh, culture where accepting failure uh, failures is okay and sometimes uh, failures tend to get frowned upon but uh, but it is a failure only when you actually uh stop uh, reacting to the feedback it is not uh, a failure if you are actually taking in the intermediate data points that you are getting on what's not working and then iterating on it and then continue to refine your ideas and products uh, so that uh, you can deliver it to the um uh, customers in the right way so that's why it's almost uh, when you look at uh, one of the amazon's leadership principles called right a lot and uh, jeff has talked about it publicly on uh, how how can you be right a lot uh, and so forth and uh, one of the things uh, i remember him saying is uh, by definition a person uh, who actually is not uh, receptive to feedback and not iterating based on what they are hearing from the market or what they are hearing uh, what are the outputs and changing their worldviews they end up being wrong a lot than right a lot so 
So you have to learn to uh, listen to the feedback from your customers, from your stakeholders and uh, partners, and actually continue to evolve and iterate. Uh, and that's one of the uh, key ingredients to being right a lot as well. Mm, so in other words, um, being right a lot is not about always being right. It's about being open to ideas and being willing to be wrong and being willing to fail. Yeah. But, uh, and I would say, and the key thing is you end up, uh, it is a failure only when you stop uh, iterating and innovating. But uh, it is, uh, but the moment you continue to uh, iterate and innovate and course correct, then uh, you are always going to actually be in a spot where uh, you end up doing the right thing for the customers and you are right a lot in the long run. And if you know in advance it's going to work, it's not an experiment, right? Absolutely. <laughs> so kind of um, <laughs> back to uh, kind of customers um, and kind of the current challenges that they're having. Um, I- I've been hearing a lot of conversations about um, what it means to be data-driven and how uh, leaders, leaders within organizations can kind of understand their data needs um, and, and better kind of um, take advantage of opportunities that are there. Um, what, do you, what do you recommend that uh, enterprise leaders do in order to better understand their needs and better kind of use that data to improve their customer experiences? Um, when it comes to understanding data needs, uh, there are three important questions to ask yourselves when you're starting out the projects. Uh, the number one is what data is available today? Number two is what data can be made easily available? And third one is in a year from now, what data will we wish we had started collecting today? So all these are equally important because uh, then it will tell uh, what projects can you start today or what projects can you start in the next uh, couple of months and what project can we enable a year from now. And the second one I would actually uh, notice uh, is that when addressing what data is available today, uh, you will need to overcome what I call as data hugging, where typically in every company, uh, the individual organizations uh, and teams uh, think the data they have is their data and they want to protect it. Uh, and uh, whereas uh, when it comes to starting a machine learning project, you want to break these data silos uh, because um, machine learning models to do things like customer churn prediction probably wants data across uh, sitting in different silos of the organizations to build a better and more accurate model. So a long-term success uh, for machine learning and analytics requires you to break down the silos across organization for getting a more uh, expansive view of the data landscape uh, as well. And uh, the making data easily available. Uh, the other part is where, uh, this is where, um, AWS, I mean, we have a bunch of technologies that make it super easy for customers all the way from our core storage services like S3 to our data lake capabilities such as uh, lake formation and so forth. So even if your organization may have a lot of data, uh, you need to be able to construct a data lake using some of these technologies. But as a next step, having even built a data lake, uh, that doesn't mean your data is ready for ML. Some of them may require human labeling. For instance, if you're trying to build a computer vision system to 
recognize street signs and so forth. You need actually human annotators to kind of uh, tell the annotation on uh, which one uh, is a stop sign, which one is uh, a signal and so forth. So this is where we make available technologies like SageMaker, Ground Truth and so forth. Uh, so that it makes it super easy for customers to get annotated uh, data set. To the third question uh, around uh, how do you actually, in a year's run time, you will end up collecting data that you wish you had from one year from now. One of the key things is um, you kind of uh, had to start with uh, saying like once you have a model, you're constantly learning, you'll start need to thinking about what are the untracked activities you're doing today that you would want to start instrumenting across your systems. And uh, you need to do an audit to see what gaps in the data exist and then start developing a strategy across different components so that you wish uh, uh, you started collecting and then start uh, feeding it into the machine learning training system as well. You know, in order to do this, it sounds like the culture is going to have to be aligned with the goal of, of um, being able to accomplish these things. Um, you know, there's a skills gap, but I think there's also exists in many enterprises kind of a culture gap as well. Um, I'm wondering if you could kind of let, talk about what, what's your advice on how to approach both of those, um, both, you know, the skills gap, I think might be an easier question to answer. I know we have a extensive training and certification program. We have free tiers, which I always advise customers use the free tiers. That's the best training you can have is go and just do it, get your teams in there and do it. Um, so I think that might be the easier part of the question. The harder part I suspect might be how do, how do leaders instill uh, a culture that is conducive to being successful with ML? Yeah, actually that is one of the hardest things uh, to some extent, because uh, even when uh, really uh, uh, some of the big organizations, when they hire uh, amazing data scientists, uh, typically one of the things uh, we end up seeing uh, as a uh, negative uh, pattern is that people start with cool ideas from the data science perspective uh, and uh, rather than orienting uh, like what is important for the business. So it can be like, hey, I built a cool tool for forecasting. Uh, do you think there is uh, any business that will need it? Um, then uh, when you double click and see, uh, they might have built it for different kinds of data uh, inputs than actually what the really the business one and the business doesn't have all the neatly labeled data or it doesn't take into account things like vacation schedules or whatnot. So instead of working with the uh, core executive team to understand what is their biggest set of problems and then working backwards from that, uh, uh, instead, if you work forward, then you end up actually kind of building um, POCs that are really not uh, that useful after all. So, and uh, so typically the thing I recommend to many of these, uh, many of our uh, customers and CIOs, so there are a few hallmarks of a good uh, machine learning use case. Uh, to get to these, you need to ask your team a few questions. The number one is, the key is to balance speed in terms of building a prototype that looks cool to balancing it with actually what provides uh, business value. So you need to have that balance. And to keep momentum, you will want to find a use case that can be done in six to 10 months when you're starting with machine learning. You don't want it to be like a three-year project where uh, 
you actually put a bunch of resources and you are not seeing anything. So you want to pick actually few critical business use case that solves a real world problem for the business and important enough to get uh, attention and adoption in a period of six to 10 months. Then uh, that is the first uh, higher orbit I would recommend. Then the second thing is you want to also look for places where you already have a lot of untapped data and then evaluate whether uh, that is something uh, that will also provide significant value for it as well. Then uh, uh, you should also look at, uh, are you actually getting benefit from machine learning or are you fixing a problem that, is, is, that isn't actually broken? Because many times machine learning, uh, because it is cold, you see businesses throwing resources in an area where the incremental benefit may not be that high. and um, But instead, there might be dire use cases such as in the back office fixing supply chain where even a 2% improvement in forecasting could mean um, benefit of millions. And that could be a bigger deal than actually getting a 50% improvement, let's say, in a relevant score for something else uh, and whatnot. So these are the kind of trade-offs that uh, you want the businesses to engage closely with the machine learning type. So this is where we have customers all the way from, like the work what we did with um, NFL, for example, uh, around actually the next-gen stats where um, they actually were, uh, when we sat down and saw what are their uh, higher-order needs, they actually wanted to more engaging customer experience and viewer experience. So the, we actually worked together on uh, the key things around like uh, next-gen stats and uh, how to do predictive scores and so forth. Then the other uh, higher-order business uh, need for them was around player safety. So this is uh, requires us to even push the envelope on not just on the core data piece, but also even on the core science work in terms of how do you collect the right amount of data and ensure what are the riskiest postures and uh, so forth as well. So, and this is where it is super important that uh, you have the right level of partnership between the core data scientists and the business stakeholders, and you pick the projects both in the short run and in the long run at the right scale as well. Yeah, that's fantastic advice. Um, so in terms of employee skills, um, what are some ways that uh, uh, our customers can um, you know, help employees learn the core skills to prepare their career. Um, you know, I'm thinking of uh, machine learning university and some of the uh, exciting ways that we've used machine learning, like with Deep Racer. Can you tell us about those? Yeah. Uh, so uh, one of the things, um, even when I talked about like, hey, Amazon, we actually talked on, we decided uh, every line of business um, uh, needs to use machine learning. Uh, Rarely a top-down strategy uh, will work unless you have a bottom-up uh, way to also meet the demand for, uh, that is getting uh, pushed from top-down. So here, that means even for Amazon, we needed a strategy to say, just because we actually ask every business stakeholder to say, you've got to do machine learning doesn't mean uh, they can do it unless we train every engineer in the company to also know how to leverage machine learning technology. So that is uh, one of the reasons why Amazon created the Machine Learning University. It's essentially an uh, intern curriculum uh, to train engineers uh, and also product managers on uh, machine learning technology. So 
and uh, we have been doing this now for years and uh, this has actually kind of led to every line of business the uh, the core engineers in the two pizza teams now starting to get well informed around machine learning and uh, check out which use cases are useful uh, for um, uh, machine learning technology and so forth and using the machine learning uh, university content we even created an uh, uh, training and certification set of courses in uh, AWS uh, uh, training and certification platform and also created those content with a partnership with Udacity and Coursera as well. The curriculum is fully open source now and it's uh, you can take it for free. One of the cool things when we actually decided to open source this content and make it available uh, through the AWS TNC platform was that uh, within 48 hours of launch, 100,000, more than 100,000 people registered to actually start getting trained in machine learning, which is like some kind of record for us. And this shows that there was actually like an immense appetite for learning machine learning in a practical way that they can actually put to use right away. And that's why even if you see the coursework, we ended up actually making it super practical. You can actually author the algorithms on SageMaker on a real-world data set and deploy it and uh, how to use various technologies and so forth. So, and then as a next step, uh, one of my fundamental beliefs when it comes to technology is that uh, I... I believe developers really love learning technology, uh, not just because, uh, hey, it pays the bills, but it's also because they actually enjoy learning it. So you got to actually, some of the best technologies are always the ones that make it fun and engaging as a way to learn. So we asked ourselves, like, how do you make machine learning technologies such as computer vision or reinforcement learning or uh, GANs and others, uh, uh, fun and engaging for people to learn. So to that end, one of, uh, we actually built uh, technologies such as DeepRacer and um, DeepLens and so forth. For instance, DeepRacer is a 118 scale, uh, 118 scale actually uh, car uh, that um, uses reinforcement learning to automatically uh, start navigating itself in an autonomous fashion. So you can actually build an autonomous uh, navigation model using reinforcement learning on SageMaker and uh, get it trained and then deployed on DeepRacer. And you can even participate in a league uh, that is uh, within either your uh, own organization or in a global league and so forth. For instance, Morningstar uses AWS DeepRacer to provide hands-on training to their employees and accelerate their application of ML across its investing products, services, and processes. So there are more than 445 employees from multiple functions and eight countries are being engaged in this uh, AWS DeepRacer League as well. And um, the key thing at the end of the day, what you want to do is you want to make sure you're training your domain experts in addition to technical experts as well. So that, that is why even it's not just about training your software engineers, it's also important to train your product managers and business stakeholders so that that will help them understand what makes a good ML problem and how they should be talking to data scientists uh, so that they can actually have a fluent conversation as well. So that is one of the reasons why we even uh, designed uh, the AWS ML Embark program, which actually includes uh, business training 
along with also helping setting up conversations around identifying the right business problem and then setting up your underlying data infrastructure and building actually proof of concepts that are meaningful for the business as well. I, I suspect uh, many of um, people listening to this right now are interested in that program. Where, where could they um, learn more about getting that business training? The uh, AWS ML MBAR program uh, is, uh, if you go visit our uh, ML.AWS, under um, uh, there, there you will see a link to MBAR program and uh, you can sign up for it right away. And uh, we will uh, then uh, reach out and set up conversations around like uh, kickstarting around uh, how do we set up the training uh, for your organization and also set up brainstorming sessions in terms of uh, identifying the right business problems you want to actually take in the short run and in the long run, and also figure out which problems are best solved uh, and which are your unmet data needs and how to go about it. Kind of everything I talked about in the past uh, 30 to 45 minutes and uh, kind of uh, enable the organization to embark on their machine learning journey. That's great. Um, okay, so I got one, one more question for you. Um, you know, you've been with Amazon for uh, 15 years, I believe, um, various roles. You headed up some amazing programs, um, DynamoDB, ElastiCache, you know, QuickSight, some of our most successful services, um, heading up AIML. Um, what, what do you think the future holds? I mean, you've seen, um, you, you've been through quite a journey so far uh, from, you know, uh, you know, databases to NoSQL to uh, machine learning. What do you think is next? What do you think the future holds? Um, I'm an eternal optimist, and uh, I uh, so I'm always uh, super excited about actually what um, where we are headed uh, as an industry uh, and um, what cloud and machine learning has been uh, transforming. If you look back, uh, even. 15 years ago, and uh, it feels like ages ago, um, but uh, it used to be the time if you are an engineer in a small enterprise or a big one to prototype some amazing ideas, you had to actually wait for like months to get procure IT resources and actually be able to build and innovate uh, new ideas. Now with the cloud, suddenly uh, amazing ideas can be actually built and uh, built out uh, not just as proof of concepts, but production apps in a matter of actually like uh, days. Uh, um, and uh, this has enabled uh, not just actually incredible uh, companies such as Uber or Pinterest or Netflix and so forth to scale up quickly and build amazing technologies, but uh, or Airbnb for that matter, but also really many uh major enterprises such as uh, Capital One or GE or uh, Intuit to also transform themselves to move faster, meet their customers' uh, needs uh, faster and uh, and so forth. And what cloud uh, has enabled for IT industry, that's kind of where I'm seeing AI machine learning is enabling um, for not just IT industry, but every aspect of uh, all industries. Uh, and uh, that's one of the key thing I would probably stress is if you uh, thought cloud disrupted IT industry, 
AI ML technology is going to actually disrupt every industry in a positive way, uh, where you're going to start seeing machine learning technologies embedded in every uh, application in the future, not just in terms of social media apps or uh, actually business application and so forth. You're going to start seeing even factory folks using machine uh, learning to uh, make their workers uh, safe and they do actually do better quality control on products. Or you're going to start seeing like healthcare uh, technologies starting to use uh, machine learning for accelerating drug discovery and to use machine learning in diagnosis and uh, disease uh, uh, detection and so forth, and accelerating scientific research. So, for instance, Sonar is already using SageMaker to query like large anonymized patient data and build uh, deep learning models to predict onset of like congestive heart failure up to 15 months before clinical manifestation. Think about actually detecting such serious condition 15 months uh, before clinical manifestation. That is the power of what machine learning is going to be able to do. That's one of the biggest reasons why I'm really excited about uh, the future in a big way because, uh, I mean, the combination of cloud and big data and machine learning is going to transform all uh, industries across the board. And that's why we are starting to see not just in uh, uh, financial services, but also in healthcare and life sciences, in retail industry, and uh, many other uh, areas, fashion and uh, media and uh, manufacturing and so forth. Uh, customers starting to use these technologies to really transform themselves on how they operate as a company, how do, what are the areas of innovation they could do. And uh, I'm excited about uh, how uh, the entire industry across the board is going to evolve. Fantastic. I am as well. So Swami, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to talk to us today. This was fascinating. I hope we can have you on the podcast again soon. Yes, same here. Thanks again for having me. Really enjoyed the conversation as well.